Hey, this is Joey Ellis, joeyellis.com and leakytimbers.com on your computer internet thing. And you are listening to the Master of One podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Master of One podcast, the podcast that's only in it for the memories because we love scrapbooking. In this episode, we talk about three identical strangers, Decrypto, and Dark Horse's 12th scale Hellboy. I'm Andrew, your master of art and design. I'm Patrick, your master of television and film. And I'm Luke, your master of toys and games. So get those Polaroids ready, because it's time to get snapping. Gotta shake it. gentlemen we like to kick all our episodes off by going around our table which is where we talk what not go you had a face that was looking at me that was looking you can always tell when you're like on you're against the ropes when you're talking where it's you're on the edge (laughs) you're teetering and like you might stay in the ring but you also might get thrown out onto a table and it felt like you're about to get thrown out onto a table why are we using wrestling metaphors that's just the the path that i chose (laughs) that is the path you chose so, like I was saying before, Patrick so rudely face interrupted me. Uh, we like to kick things off by going around our table, which is where we talk about something new, fun, and noteworthy about our weeks. Luke, yeah, has uh, how'd you talk about it? Okay, uh, man, this week, uh, listen, happy so, birthday! Hey, thanks. Oh yeah. yeah, tell us everything that happened. I worked today, uh, and then I came home, and that's it. I played a little Lucky. bit of Hearthstone, and that's it. Do you want um, to tell everybody what I got you since by now you've received the present? You've see, yeah, you've I haven't. Gift. I haven't gotten it yet. It got stuck in the mail. It accidentally, you had a saved address in Chattanooga, and so it got sent there. And we all know what happens when mail gets sent to Chattanooga. Yeah, it never happens to <laughs> yeah. anyone. So it's gone. But thanks for the thought. I appreciate it, Andrew. I got you a thought, too. <laughs> <laughs> but your thought didn't cost you any money. That's true. So who wins in this situation? <laughs> <laughs> not me um, <laughs> sure you you lose <laughs> uh so when we recorded our last episode it was before i actually left for gen con and now this is post gen con gen con was great it really was like i said in the last episode but it was for real great uh played a whole bunch of games i'll talk about one today um it's it is like their tagline the best four days in gaming it's just it's that it's everybody is like excited everybody's having fun it's such a good time um so that was awesome and then uh other than that i've just been playing a lot of hearthstone the boomsday project came out which is their latest expansion whole bunch of new cards all themed around um a new mechanic called magnetic so cards have magnetic and that means you can fuse two cards together uh to add uh different powers to different other cards and so that's a fun thing to do. It's kind of uh, making a whole bunch of crazy decks now. Like there's like six turn kill decks and it, it's it's fun. Are there actually magnets in the cards? Yes. In the digital cards, the game is completely digital. There's magnets Man. inside them. 
technology is just getting there. I know. It really, it kind of messes up. It's You can't actually save any of it on your computer, though, because it'll mess up your hard drive because the magnets will That's erase things. That's a good things. point. Um, but, so. you know, there's sacrifices worth making for Yeah, really I bought a hard drive game. every day because I play it every day. But, yeah. you know, whatever. It's a game I like. So, uh, other than that, uh, man, been playing a lot of games. I got Space Park, un- unboxed all of it. And I haven't played it yet, so that might be one I bring to uh, the good old uh, Portland to try out with you guys. Yeah. Um, Which let's just go ahead since you said that Portland is happening tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, when this we'll when this there. releases on Tuesday tomorrow, we will be heading to Portland. Yep. And uh, oh man, I'm like way excited. Me too. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, okay. I mean, the, the, the actual event, pop-up crop, is only a one-day event if you haven't been before. So it's not till Friday. Right. We will be there all day Wednesday, all day Thursday, just for the sole purpose of, um, you know, seeing Portland and running into a couple of big artists and capturing some uh, some cool content and all all of it, thanks to uh, Trantor Gray for uh, sending us out there. Yeah, for so. sure. Those guys Trantor. are rad. They do huh? amazing stuff. It's not like you said Trantor. Trantor Gray. The it's kind of ER, but you can just say it however you want to. But um, they're super pumped about it. I mean, yeah. I, honestly, I do this weird thing. I don't know if y'all do this, where the week leading up, like I'm excited about a trip until we get about a week out, and then I dread actually going. And I think it's because... You know, you have to think about actually packing for it and making sure you get your flight on time and all that kind of stuff. But then once you're actually on the, like, you're in the airplane, suddenly it's amazing again. Right. Um, I've actually stayed really upbeat about Portland this whole time. I haven't had that That means the trip's going to suck for you. (laughs) No, don't. (laughs) I'll just have that down part while we're actually there. Well, I think the difference for you is you are, you're working remotely now for your job. So uh, maybe a lot of like the urgency and stress isn't felt as much for you because you're detached from the human interaction, like in the office place. Yeah, and you haven't told the people in your office that you're leaving yet. So no one is like bombarding (laughs) you with stuff they need you to do. And I'm just excited to get out of my house. That's true. It smells terrible in here now. (laughs) Yeah. If you bathe from time to time, that would help. Well, Patrick, why don't you talk about your week and you can tell people why you're not bathing. Uh, okay. I'm not going to actually talk about my hygiene habits, but what I will do is tell you about a cool. Know. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Mackenzie wants to know. Um, so there's a cool thing coming up that all of you can participate in. Uh, this is coming up on August 26th. This is happening at 25 Alamo Draft House locations, and it's uh, National Dog Day. And they are celebrating National Dog Day by showing. I love dogs, which I have not seen yet. Throwing this out there, I have not seen it yet. On top of that, uh, in showing the event, they're going to have a set of um, figures. I guess it's the primary five uh, dogs and then Atari. They're going to have a set. They're going to give away one set at each location. Other than that, you can't buy the sets. They won't be available anywhere else. They're going to have 25 of them, one at each location, and do a giveaway at each location. And uh, so if you live in anywhere near an Alamo, I mean, they're playing in Virginia, Arizona, New York, Texas, North Carolina, Colorado, like all over. But if you have an Alamo near you, then just uh, it's probably on their website now. Go check the news. 
but celebrate National Dog Day on August 26th. Sounds like a good opportunity for me to see the film for the first time. Yeah, and they're they're for that showing only re uh, re releasing their menu item like the the Trash Island milkshake or something like that, mm. and it uh-huh. sounds amazing. When I went, I didn't get it because when I went and saw the movie, I cared a lot more about what I was eating. And so I definitely wouldn't have eaten it. But it's like (laughs) because it's called Trash Island. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's like vanilla ice cream with cookie, like uh, chocolate chip cookie bits, Oreos, uh, like a whole bunch of stuff mixed into it. Do do you have that email in front of you right now, Patrick? I do, yes. Wait, does it actually? Well, I have the. Let me see if it says it. It should be at the bottom. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, bring back popular drink menu items from the original run, like the beloved Trash Island Shake featuring uh, vanilla ice creams, uh, sweet and salty and frosty mix of peanuts, chocolate chip cookies, caramel popcorn, Oreos, Cocoa Puffs. Right? Yeah, right. that sounds great. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's 7,000 calories, but, man, if you don't eat anything for three days leading up to it, you're fine. Yeah, that's that sounds logic. I don't understand why they're showing that movie and not Turner and Hooch. That I think Turner and Hooch makes more sense. <laughs> uh, what if I told you I hadn't seen Turner and Hooch? I, I wouldn't. That wouldn't phase me. You haven't seen Wizard of Oz or Die right, Hard. It's been four or, and a half years, and uh, we of doing the show as the master of TV and film. And there are so many films you've not seen. Listen, I'm just saying trivia night. Two two film questions. Got them both. Yeah, that happened to be uh, based on Looper and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. <laughs> the two movies that you've seen. <laughs> I'll get there eventually. I will say I did rewatch Hell or High Water this week. And uh, super great. Doesn't hold up. <laughs> no, no I- incredible film. I am already ready to watch it again. Um, and I watched The Informant for the first time, Matt Damon film, talking about um, uh, Mark Whitaker. It's based on the true story of a, a guy that turned. It's the highest ranking whistleblower in American history. And in a twist of events, he had also embezzled like a nine or $11 million. And so he's the one that blew the whistle that ended up leading to his embezzlement getting caught. He actually spent more time in jail than all the people that he was blowing the whistle on. Um, it didn't do great with reviews. It, it was pretty medi- didn't mediocre. Didn't do great with whistleblowing, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Uh, didn't necessarily do great with the reviews. I it got pretty mediocre reviews. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a really, um, uh, just pleasant film. Uh, it's not overly funny, um, but the character is just, uh, strange enough. The Mark Whitaker character, he makes just enough weird decisions to kind of keep you smiling or keep you laughing during the film. And, um, but not overly tense. I mean, it's a casual watch, but, uh, if you haven't seen the film, I just gave away the entire plot, but still an enjoyable film to watch. So you should check it out. But, um, but yeah, Andrew, you can, uh, finish it off. Why don't you go and put the cocoa puffs on top of my Oreos in Luke's uh, vanilla ice cream? (laughs) (laughs) I I wish we were still doing YouTube so people could see Luke's face. It completely, it That's melted. That's what your face will look like if you eat the trash pile or whatever it's called. <laughs> Actually, I think it would first start off happy and then it would end looking like that. Um, all right, so this this week has been a lot. I've spent a lot of work, man. It's just been so much work and so much turmoil know, with insurance stuff and medical stuff and house stuff. Like the smallest thing turns into what ends up being like four hours of me being on the phone talking about claim numbers. I have so many claim numbers running through my head right now, I could just throw up. Um, And it seems like every time I need 
Like, I need someone to just do their job. They just don't do it. Like, everyone is trying to not... Like, I have, we have insurance and warranties and uh, all these different things. And it's like, everybody is like, ah, that's not my responsibility. Like, it's someone's responsibility. Anyway, yeah. I'm going to get off of that soapbox. It eventually um, just because, turns into your responsibility. Exactly. And, like, now I'm sitting here going, I've invested five hours of my time into this. I could have paid somebody. Like, if I'm just, val- you know, if I'm valuing my time. Right. I could have paid someone half of what my time is worth and this had been fixed. Right. Anyway, um, so uh, so that that's just been going on. And on top of that, I've been watching a lot of Big Brother. I'm a huge fan of Big Brother. Um, why we don't talk because it's just so it's good. It's, no, no, yeah, I yeah. like. But why is it yeah. good? Like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm it, gonna explain. Okay. Yeah, um, it's so because for me, it is like the truest like sense of a social game. So you're putting you're putting 16 or 18 people into a house for three months, and they have to live with each other, and they have to compete, and then there's all the social um, components to that. And I think it is so fascinating to watch the rise and fall of trust uh, with with people, um, how different different like stereotypical people interact with other stereotypical people and seeing how stereotypes break down, where they hold up, these kinds of things. Because when you, when you see reality shows, they're typically trying to get people who fall into certain classifications, right? Yeah. Um, and you're, you're pretty standard ones. And then a couple of like – a couple of uh, random like wild cards they'll put in there. But you'll always have the really pretty – uh, that you would con- consider not to be super smart girl, like the guy who only cares about working out, uh, the nerdy guy who's never been kissed by a girl, um, the old person. The, like You have like this whole, and then you have um, now what seems to be the case. You've got um, not just, like before it used to be like, oh, there would be a gay person on the show. Now they've got all of the different like transgender, all that stuff. It's always, you always kind of find these these archetypes that find themselves in this same house together, learning how to live with one another. And I think it's so fascinating. Um, I'm not super, I'm not like big into drama, but I do like the, I'm not, I'm not like into, like I don't watch The Bachelor. I don't watch, you know, any of those other kinds of shows um, because I think those shows are strictly drama. When there's drama associated with it, but it's because of a social experiment and a social game, I think I can kind of get, I can get past the drama for for that component. And I always fantasize how I would play the game and how I would handle those situations and everything. So, so anyway. Is it, is it realistic, though? Is what realistic? Big Brother. Like Absolutely. The, the personalities yeah. are realistic. Like, these people are actually, like, they're not, like, heightened. It's not, like, TV. It's not stereotype TV. No, I mean... That's what I was saying. Like you see, they they bring them in initially because of stereotypes, right? Right. Like they bring them in, but then you see over the course of a summer, you see those break down. Oh, gotcha. Um, because it's them living with one another twenty four seven. Right. You know what I mean? So they can't be on all the time, and so you see how that you know you see this this life cycle. If you watch Big Brother, you know what I'm talking about, and some of it's a little bit indescribable, but. There's a life cycle to it where they come in like really brazen and really loud mouthed and really whatever. But then over the course of the show, you start to see the vulnerable side of them. They break that down because you you can't do that for so long, right? So you inevitably end up seeing the real people. Sure. Um, which is really cool. We also subscribe to the live feed. So when the show isn't going on, there's three episodes each week. 
And when the show's not going on, we can tune into the There's house. Three live. episodes a week. Yeah. Yep. Wow. And one of them is live. Um. So uh, yeah. Anyway, been watching a lot of Big Brother. Been enjoying that a ton. And then on top of that, am almost done with the newest season of Orange Is the New Black. And that's that show's been flipped on its head a little bit. If you're not caught up to it, I will have watched it all by the time we go to Portland, so that Patrick and I can talk about it. Have you watched it, Luke? No, I, you don't, I don't have any interest. Yeah, you, I didn't think it's a great season. It. it uh it the um it really builds over the course of the season. I wasn't too into the first couple episodes, and uh, by the end of it, I had a bit of a like mouth hanging open moment. By the time it all resolved, yeah. Um. So it's uh, it's been a lot of TV watching, and then the other thing was I got to see uh, Christopher Robin, and that movie was incredible. I'm not even going to do a review of it. I'm just going to say. Go see it. You'll have all of the feels. It is it is very, very charming. It's very funny, like legit funny. And honestly, Winnie the Pooh, who is a is a CG character, he carries it. He carries the film. Um, and I would say he probably has the most dialogue. That's arguable, but I think he he would have he definitely has the most dialogue as of the characters, but he's in the film almost the entire film. Um, And so if you weren't, I didn't know what to expect. I thought maybe it would be some flashbacks mixed with some, you know, some brief interactions. He's in almost the entire film and he's, he is speaking for the majority of the time he's in the film. And so, uh, and it's really, and it's Jim Cummings. So he's, he's been doing the voice of Tigger and Winnie the Pooh for years and years and years now, since the nineties, I believe, or even maybe the late eighties. Um, let me add, and, it, it's very good. I mean, I, yeah. you like a lot of films, and so I just feel compelled to also add, it really is a, a good, enjoyable, um, I mean, I, I laughed out loud several times. What does times. that mean, I like a lot of films? I don't typically talk about the films I don't like, unless I so much don't like them, I just feel that I have like, to talk about them like, sorry to bother you. That I just film was feel trash like fire. You like more, you, you tend to be more favorable in your reviews. So I just want to yeah, come alongside of you and just say, yes, all the things you feel, I feel as well. It's a great you're just, film. You're just trying to validate what I'm saying as, as reality. It's not. But I'm it's, making it more valid, but it was already valid. Well, that's what, valid, that's uh, what validation is. Um, anyway, go see the film, uh, especially if you grew up with Winnie the Pooh. And uh, uh, I, all of us, I think, said, I don't know if any of us full on cried, but I think all of us said we welled up. Right, I think yeah. there was a, at least a handful of moments where you kind of choke up. McKenzie cried for sure, um, but I, I just welled. It's uh, it's a great it's it's a great film. So go go check it out. I would probably give it a nine out of ten. Is my sounds like a review. Yep, but I didn't talk about it. I talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my uh, Winnie the Pooh review <laughs> or Christopher Robin review. Um, so that's going to be it for our round the table. Up next, we're going to talk about some master categories. <laughs> So the Master Categories portion of the show is when we get to talk about the tokens we drew the week before. And last week, we didn't draw any tokens. <laughs> In your face, listeners. So, <laughs> that's what you call making up your own rules, because we're a couple of bad boys. No. Nope. <laughs> no. I like it. <laughs> I support this. Um, but uh, this week, we decided to give ourselves our own categories, because why not? It's our game, and we are the bosses of it. So, uh, Patrick... Why don't you talk about a little film you saw? 
this week I had a chance to see a new documentary. And by new, I mean it's been out for the better part of a month now. I think we caught it right at the end of its run. Um, But a documentary called Three Identical Strangers. And um, this is something we've been – this was bizarre to me because we've been seeing the preview for this film for several months now. And yet they still weren't playing it at the theater we were watching the previews at. So we had to take a bit of a drive. Yeah, uh, into San Antonio to the uh, Bijou. I only point that out because uh, I hated that theater, and I just really want to say that it was a really awkward viewing experience. I um, agree. It was like walking into somebody's oversized living room. Ew. Yeah, it, it, the, the room was far too deep. Like I don't know. It's like too. There were too many rows, and they're leather recliners. But yeah, it felt like almost like. High-end living room leather right. recliners. The, the seating was not like it wasn't a bad theater. Like, it wasn't bad seating. It wasn't like sticky floors and everything was dirty and whatever, whatever. You know, it like the the chairs were nice. There was plenty of room, but it was so awkward. Yeah, something the, the dimensions were off. It was a weird viewing experience. Chris that went with us said it was like watching a movie of people watching a movie. That's what it felt like where we were sitting. So, yeah. Why um, don't you sit so far said, back? This is where our seats were. Well, well, we were basing it off of like Alamo Drafthouse style seating, which is more, normal movie theater seating. So was, more, it not yeah. like, was it not like stadium? Like was there no like incline? No, it was, no. Ba- it was like a flat floor. With just recliners? And, and we were like probably, I want to say 20 rows back. And what was weird is but there was like twice room. the depth. There's like twice the depth. I, you could stick your feet out in front of you and you couldn't kick the person's chair that was in front of you. But they weren't recliners. So like you were sitting there with tons of like floor room, like leg room, but you couldn't actually recline the chair. It was really bizarre. You had to sit up because there's tables there. It was kind of like the Alamo Draft House. Where there's like a bar height table. Yeah. But you couldn't reach the table unless you leaned forward. Oh. <laughs> it was yeah. It was just weird. So much like we're padding this review with things that aren't very important, three identical strangers did the same with their film. So it's the story of three guys. It's uh Bobby uh, and Eddie and uh David. They were separated at birth. And uh, they did not know that they were triplets. And so um, initially, um, you know, one kid is going to a community college. Everybody is coming up to him and talking to him and calling him Eddie and asking him questions. And he's thinking to himself, well, I'm not Eddie, but everybody's being nice to me. So I'll just go along with it. And then finally, some guy comes up to him and is like, here's, you know, you're a twin. You don't you may not realize this, but literally you're a twin and we're going to go see your twin right now. And um it was one of Eddie's friends and takes him to his house. And sure enough, it's his twin. The story gets run in the paper because it's run in the paper. Um, then the third person who makes the triplet realizes like, hey, I look just like them and they look just like me. Turns out they're triplets. And so they're doing all the, the you know, TV circuits and all that kind of stuff. Really, really incredible story. Now, the documentary starts shifting from then and starts getting into some heavier topics. One being... The fact that none of the parents knew that they were part of triplets. Uh, why did the agency split them up? Um, you know, were they um, being like tested and monitored, which they were, but why were they being tested and monitored? Did it have to do with like emotional and psychological issues? And they start getting into all these these parts 
Um, unfortunately, one of the triplets has a, a tragic ending, and, and so you hear about that. So um, it's uh, the story is um, a very interesting story, and the the way it's handled, especially early on in the documentary, the the, the pace of everything, the cut of everything, the way they kind of jump right into the action, the the music, everything plays really well. It's very exciting. However, by the time you get to the end of the film, it doesn't necessarily feel like it went anywhere. And mm. this resolution that these these, you know, the triplets or their parents or that they were pushing for, I think there's a point where you realize there isn't a resolve because there isn't anything else there. It's not like there's something that's underhanded that they uncovered. It's maybe something they thought was underhanded. And you just get far enough into it to realize it isn't. Maybe it was handled in a really poor way, or maybe it was a terrible situation, but it isn't really the thing they were setting out to prove. And uh, that, for me, left... It made the documentary very unfulfilling. And so it was a good watch. It's very, again, a, 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 a unique and interesting. It's a story I wasn't familiar with. But once you get past probably like the 45-minute mark, I think at that point I had kind of heard all the bits that I was interested in and could have probably walked out at that point and still had um, the same. Ex- well, I probably would have had a little bit better experience in that case. So um, and now I'm not telling you not to see the film. Uh, there's I, I believe me, I haven't given it away. There's there's tons to learn about it and, and to go in the story. And and the the brothers themselves are, are frankly come across as very um, energetic, kind of colorful storytellers because they are telling their own story. Um, and so it's, it's, it's still an enjoyable watch. I'm not saying don't see it. Uh, it could have been cut down. It's a 96 minute runtime. I think it easily could have had 20 minutes cut off the runtime and it, it wouldn't have suffered at all. And I think it would have been better for it. So a uh, good film. I would probably give it a seven out of 10. Um, but, uh, it just, you know, if you have to pick one documentary to see the Mr. Rogers, uh, the won't you be my neighbor documentary that came out a couple months ago, uh, I, I would put this one far ahead of... I mean, that, that documentary is a 10 out of 10 for me. Uh, this is it probably a 7 out of 10 for me. So, um, Luke, I don't think you've seen the film. No. Nope. Uh, Andrew, do you have any thoughts on the film beyond uh, beyond that? <laughs> no, I think, I, think you, I think you covered all the bases. Uh, 7 out of 10. I'd probably go 6 out of 10. But, um, yeah, I thought that it ended up being... I think I said this right when we walked out ended up being like 30 to 40 minutes just just too long for it to not have have come to more resolution I don't feel like I feel like we could have been more concise with some things um, yeah. but yeah I mean the story's the story the first half of it is ultra captivating yes but then, and then you kind of feel like you know go to the bathroom and going. don't come back yeah yeah. yeah, that's true. Um, so yeah, and again, it's it's shot well. It's cut together well. I think the pacing is good. It's just padded. It's just a lot of padding. So would have made a really good um, hour long TV documentary. I think it would have been better suited for that. Personally, I don't know that we needed the the theatrical release, uh, but I do like the documentaries are getting more um, that more people are seeing them, and we're seeing some some high some high quality ones coming out. I know the Selena one just came out. There's the Ruth Bader uh, Ginsburg, Ginsburg, however you say her name, that one that came out. So there's several that I want to see. Uh, and then, of course, Won't You Be My Neighbor, which was just fantastic. Um, so I'm glad that we have documentaries to go watch. 
Um, but if you're choosing, I don't know that I would choose this one, but it's uh, pretty decent. So um, that's it for me. Luke, why don't you yeah. tell us about uh, Dramento or whatever it's called? Dramento, yes. Um, <laughs> no, I, so one of the games I picked up at Gen Con this year was a, a game called Decrypto. Uh, I was Decry- close. You were very near words. Um, it was a game. Uh, it is a game. It was not was. It presently is a game. Um, it was a, not was. Yeah, that's right. Um, Shared that right up. It's a party game. So the idea of Decrypto, did you guys ever play um, like the game Taboo or any of those games where you, you have words and you just can't say the words? Uh, Do you have to have friends to play those games? Yes, you need friends. I haven't played them. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, Decrypto, like, like catchphrase or something? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, stuff like that. Uh, so Decrypto is along the same lines. Uh, you have you have two teams, and you're, the idea is you're spies, and you're trying to uh, pass messages to your 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 team, uh, and the other team is trying to intercept your messages. And you're passing what you're passing is codes. Um, so how it works is you get at the beginning of the game, uh, you have a board. I'm going to show you guys so you kind of can follow what I'm talking about. You have this board. There's a white team and a black team. And you have um, these cards that are all um, kind of like. If you grew up in the 80s, you got them in cereal boxes to decode things. Yeah, exactly. They're like they have red and blue, red and blue all over them. So you can't read them while looking at them. Well, if you put them in the red screened, uh, you know, decrypto wall, you can read what they say. I don't know if you guys can even read that because it's so far yeah. away. It says millionaire. It says millionaire. You don't know how to read. Um, so you you get these four words and they stay the whole game. And so how it works is you think of clues to give your team based on common knowledge. You can't use inside jokes. You can't use um, like um, any outside kind of jokes. language that is not public knowledge, basically. Uh, you can't say, we saw one of these yesterday. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so you use the same four words for the whole game, and each team gets a deck of these little mini cards that look like uh, an old school like floppy disk on one side, and then the other side is a code. And so you're trying to get your team to guess the code based on the three clues you give of the words. So like if... Uh, if you're trying to get people to guess, well, here, let me put let me put three in here. Let's do it. I'm doing it right now. I should have had this prepared. I didn't even think about that. Um, I'm not even prepared. It's fine. It's fine. Okay, so my words are left to right. They are hand, elevator, yellow, and peacock. So if I got the code one, two, three, I would say... Um, I would say like, uh, appendage and Muzak and the sun and hoping that you would guess, okay, based on these words that I see. So everybody plays on each, like each team is on one side of the table opposite the other team. So you, you're seeing the words on your, your board the whole time. Uh, and you're saying, based on those clues, I would guess it's this code. Uh, and the 
the other team hears your clue and then they get a chance to guess what order. And what you do is you keep track of all the clues throughout the game. And so as you're, as the next person on your team gets another code, they give different clues. And so you're able to deduce as the other team, okay, when they say this stuff, I'm guessing that this second word is elevator. Uh, and then the first team to intercept two codes wins. And that's basically how it works. And it's super fun because... So you want to make the words cryptic enough right. that the other team won't guess it, but that your team will know, looking at the words, they'll be able to decipher what it exactly. is. Exactly. Exactly. That's an interesting dynamic. It's really, really fun. Um, and it's it's easy enough to explain. Um, it might have not worked auto like just through audio, but when you're seeing the components, it's easy enough to explain that anybody can pick it up. Um, but it's really fun. So uh, I got that. I'm excited to play it with uh, more of like the groups of people that like aren't necessarily game people. Um, it plays a, with how many people? You can play with, uh, I think it doesn't give you like a, a It says max. three to eight players. Yeah, but I think you could play more than eight. Like okay. the only reason that you maybe would keep to eight is just to keep the like turn size down or or probably by the time you get through eight different people on a team uh, or four different people on a team, you've kind of said maybe every clue for a word you could give or like it would be too easy for another team to guess all the clues. But I think you could play with, you know, as many people as you want, as long as it's even teams. This is a very highly rated game. Oh, it's it's amazing. 526 overall yeah. of all board games. Yep. 526 and party it's number seven out of party games it's amazing it's a wow. really really fun game um so yeah it's decrypto you can get it at your local game store you can pick it up on amazon or ebay or cool stuff inc i mean pretty or if much you can break into luke's house just go down in the basement and get it you could except i put it in a safe because hmm. i love it man that's not true that is heavy duty well now that you said it's not true it breaks it down <laughs> uh but yeah it's a super good game and it's sweet sweet yeah now andrew yeah. you talk about things i'm gonna i'm gonna round the bases here so uh i'm actually gonna talk about two quick things i'll give a kind of an honorable mention to both um but uh the first is so everyone if you've listened to the show for a while you know that i am a big fan of hellboy yeah mike mignola i'm a big fan um and uh, they released something at Comic-Con that we talked about briefly, but it is now up for pre-order. Uh, it's the Dark Horse 12th scale Hellboy figure. And um, I'm going to send you guys the link right now. The, the, uh, um, it'll be in the show notes for everybody else. But uh, there you go, guys. It's in the, it's in the old chat bubble. But... Um, that's the the twelfth scale Hellboy figure. It is one hundred percent based off of the Hellboy comic, so it's not based on the movie Hellboy, um, any of those iterations. It's one hundred percent based on the comic, and it is absolutely beautiful. Are you guys looking at it? Yep. Yep. It's like it. It's everything you would want a a Hellboy figure to be, and then some components that you never even would have 
realize you wanted, but you actually did want. Um, it's very chiseled the way that it's, it's very kind of hard lined, like Mike Mignola's drawings. Um, but it also still has a very, his drawing. I mean, Mike Mignola's drawings are flat. Like they're about as flat as you can be. Yeah. And, uh, so this figure has that, that, that quintessential Mignola look to it, but it's obviously dimensional. And so the way that it approaches that is, um, is all in the in the sculpt. You know, the way that it sculpts is how you get the hard shades and the hard lines and things like that. Um, and it, it's just absolutely beautiful. It has, uh, gosh, how many points of articulation? It's seven and a half inches tall, so it's a 12th scale. Um, it's got uh, it, uh, like a an actual leather and fabric coat that he has. The rosary beads are, are real. Um, the tiny rosary beads, he's got the left hand. Um, uh, his like his left hand for holding things. He's got um, multiple hands that can swap out for holding guns and various things. And then he's obviously got the the right hand of doom, um, which is also all the fingers are articulated. And he has a utility belt. And gosh, what else? Oh, so if you get the dark horse exclusive version, he comes with two heads. One is uh, one is a head that has like his mouth like pursed open a little bit and the other one is just just completely closed and you also get ho- like full set of horns if you get the uh the dark horse exclusive where's if the you link do to want- that i don't see that one anyway uh, i'll send it I'll, I'll give it to you guys okay, cool. in, a, in a bit and it'll be in the show notes but um if you're a fan of hellboy this is an absolute must for your uh for your shelf they're partnering with 1000 toys it will be a limited run they're not going to open run this thing um, and so I don't know that it says how many they're going to be making, but it will be limited. It's up for pre-order right now. It will set you back a little over $100. Um, so it's not super cheap, but as far as figures go, it's also not on the upper end of what that could be. You know, it's not Hot Toys pricing, but uh, it is only seven and a half inches. But it's it's a beautiful piece. Uh, absolutely will be a must have for Hellboy fans. And, uh, I believe dark horse also allows you to do like a four payment, like layaway essentially. Um, yeah, there you go. Patrick just posted it in discord. So you can take a look at that Luke. Um, so yeah. And the, the dark horse exclusive comes with, um, the big old full horns that you can attach to his head. I'm guessing they're like either magnetic or something. Um, and then, uh, so there's that. And then the other one I, is can I say something about this real quick. I yeah. love everything about it, except the articulating hand of doom. Like I really? feel, yeah, because I, I feel like I don't necessarily love all the articulation joints. They feel like it, it just looks more like a toy than, um, I, I don't know. I, I guess that's the only way I can, that makes sense to say it for me. It just looks too much like an, like a, like an, actual action figure that you would play with not like something like that is a more like you're talking about when when he doesn't have when he doesn't have the coat on if he put if you put the coat on him it hides a lot of those joints right you're you're right it does feel better with the coat on but i that and then the hand of doom though the articulated hand of doom just kind of pulls you away from it and i i but that's but that's what the hand of doom looks like that's why actually one of the things that i like so much about it is the hand of doom in the films, I mean, obviously not as much in the in the comic book, but in the film, it has that that uh, that look to it because of how it has to articulate. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I, I guess it just but feels I, I, too I, much I know like what you're a, saying. I mean, like yeah. connects 
Like, you know, like it feels like a little bit. I see what you're saying, especially in one where where he's like where he has it in a fist. Yeah, it just looks yeah. bad. So uh, anyway, I I hopefully will own this. I won't be able to pre-purchase it anytime soon, but uh, hopefully it's still o- open for pre-order when when I can. But like I was saying, Dark Horse uh, has opened up like a like a four payment plan, so you could pay for the thing like twenty five dollars a month at a time, um, and it, it's not even slated to come out until like next year sometime, like wow. March of next year. So um, you could have totally paid it off over the course of the next four months, and then you'll still have another six months to wait for it. Sure. <laughs> um, but uh, that tends to be the, the trend that we're with right now is anything you want, you have to wait like at least six months to have. <laughs> um, so, uh, but here's something that you can have right now. Our friend Clark Orr of... Um, Johnny Cupcakes fame and Hellcats and just his own personal brand um, has just done a show uh, this past Friday night. If you're listening to this on record date, um, this past Friday night with Gallery 1988 in L.A. And it is called the Baggage Show. Uh And he's he has done 21 different pieces that are um, designed around pop culture luggage bags. So it's like a totally like niche kind of thing. Um, he did one for the Haunted Mansion, and it's like a luggage tag for the Haunted Mansion. And it shows um, various components that would bring you, if you know that property and you know um, a little bit about that, you, you would get the idea for it. He did, um, he did one that was just a uh, – oh, man, I'm, I'm losing it right here. Where, where is it? Um, he did this little like um, – I want to call it like a baggage set, like a, like a, it almost looks like a, uh, passport. That's what I'm looking for. Uh, it almost looks like a passport holder. Mm -hmm. And if you go to the show, he put together these leather passport holders that are branded for Clark or, and inside of it, there's a, uh, a limited edition, um, like little holder for the, for the baggage claim ticket essentially. And it tells you number uh, is like, out of a hundred, there's a hundred of these things and you can get, uh, um, that's all obviously limited. And then you get the entire set of the, the prints, but in sticker form. So he did all 21 of what he did in print form as stickers. So you can actually put them on your like suitcase if you wanted to, to look like destinations, like destination stickers. That's cool. Um, and, uh, in one of the places is Biff's, um, what do you call it? Biff's pleasure, pa- uh, paradise. Yeah, from Back to the Future Two. Yeah, and uh, if you get that, if you get that set, there's a limited set, and uh, it comes with a keychain for um, his Pleasure par- Palace or Paradise, or whatever. So, uh, anyway, we're big fans of Clark War. He's such an awesome dude, and to see him working on, um, you know, to see him working with Gallery 1988 and doing this fun pop culture stuff, it's like 100% in his wheelhouse. And I'm excited to see some of the art that has come out. Uh, come out from it so anyway check out uh, Clark Orr and the baggage show from gallery 1988 I'm sure the pieces are by now are up on their website um, and you can go pick up some of that stuff now um, I think that's it for me which I mean means that's the it that's, that's the it, it for the show yeah. yeah so what we'll do now is we will get out of this show yeah uh, you can find us on m of one podcast.com where there's show notes and links to all the stuff that we just talked about you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play and Spotify and iHeartRadio anywhere podcasts are sold um, but they don't sell them if yeah because ours is free 
Yeah, it's free. Uh, and you can go get to stuff from the shop.nmbonepodcast.com. Yeah. You can support the show. Like, subscribe, share, do all of those things. You know what to do. Come see if us in Portland. If you're going to be in Portland, watch our... Uh, watch our Social um, media. Social media, and we will be talking about our meetup, which will be tomorrow uh, or Thursday. So just keep <laughs> your eyes peeled for that. And if you're in the Portland area, come say hi and come hang out. It will be Wednesday because Thursday is going to be the uh, the before party. That's the before party for the event. Friday is going to be the actual event. Saturday we leave. So it's going to be Wednesday night. But we might also, maybe early in the morning on Thursday or midday on Thursday, maybe play some games with people who are around. That's you true. You know what I mean? Like, we're just going to hang out. We're going to be yeah, there. Yeah, you should watch our socials. Just watch social, because we're going be, to be popping some stuff up, and uh, we know a handful of you are going to be out there, and we're excited to hang and have fun. So uh, anyway, um, and that, again, is all courtesy of our friends from Tranter Gray. Yes. Go check them out. The Emmy Award-winning Tranter Gray. And... Um, Gosh, I think that's it. Let's get out of this episode, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm Andrew. I'm Patrick. And I'm Luke. I'm going to say peace out. Bye. And I'm going to say hold on to your butt.